Yeah, yeah, check one, two, check one, two. Is this mic on? Is this mic on? Hey, listen, man. It's the one and only trendsetter DJ Sense, and you're listening to Cocktails. Dirty Discussions with Kiki and Medina Monroe. Yeah. Today's cocktail is called Blue Magic. The ingredients that you're going to need are a lime wedge, sugar, and I some. <laughs> Today's cocktail is called Blue Magic. The ingredients you're going to need are a lime wedge, some sugar, some ice cubes, a fourth cup of cranberry juice, two tablespoons of citron vodka, or just regular vodka two tablespoons of blue curacao, and one tablespoon of fresh lime juice. So here's how you make it. You moisten the rim of a chilled martini glass with a lime wedge, sprinkle sugar onto a small plate, and dip the moistened rim into the sugar to coat lightly. Fill the cocktail shaker with ice, add cranberry juice, vodka, blue curacao, curacao, however the fuck you say it, the lime juice, cover and shake, and strain into a martini glass. And that's how you get blue magic, how? You know, when I hear about blue magic, I think about that grease that that nigga put in my ass. I still can't believe that really happened. That man put blue magic in your booty hole. Luckily, it didn't really get too far in there, but it my booty was definitely greasy. It was greased up. It smelled like bad kindergartners. Like, you know... Well, welcome back to cocktail. It's making my butt hurt. It's like I got to constipate and boo boo a little bit at the same time. I don't know. But my booty moist. Moist? Yeah. Is it hot? (laughs) They were saying it was hot in here earlier. Okay. Uh, Well, welcome back to cocktails. Dirty discussions, you guys. Um, How? uh, Hey, girl. Yeah. I feel like I've seen you every day. Every day. Now, Tuesday is a little foggy, <laughs> but uh, I've definitely seen you a lot this week. So, did anything happen? Any good news? Uh, I'm really trying. It's so crazy how, like, when you try to think of, like, what has happened. You know, I don't think about it until after I'm in the car driving home. And I'm like, damn, why didn't I say that? I don't think about it until it happens. Like, oh, I should have said something. Yeah. Only thing good is I have a flight to catch tomorrow to go to Dallas. But by the time y'all hear this, I've already been in Dallas and I've already told y'all about how it went. <laughs> so, uh, oh. Okay. Well, n- no news is good news. I ain't really got nothing going on either. <laughs> um, I'm just looking forward to the live show. Remember, you guys, the tickets are still on sale for Sunday's show. Mm-hmm. Saturday is sold out. And um, we want to give a special thank you to all of our amazing sponsors. Yes. There's so many. Um, thank God. Uh, we have 255, mm. Spin, She Orgasms, uh, Peep Show Toys, Lashed by Ari, Sexual Essentials, Nico Robo Beauty, and Sabrina S. Um, and It's Bomb Aesthetics and Zola's Glory. What's up? I can't wait to try the products in the gift bags. Like, I want my own gift bag, but I guess y'all bother the Abby, so y'all can have a gift bag. I know, right? It's just like, well. Anyway, um, the tickets are still available on Eventbrite. Please get them. Please share with your friends. Um, and the tickets, the link to them are in each of our bios, or you can just search on Eventbrite and um, send us your ticket confirmation and let us know you're coming. Yes, and you better come looking good because you know we about to be fine. Right, we got a photo booth. Girl. We got a little red carpet situation. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a good time. Now, we will. We do have a guest, and we're going to move on to weird sex, and then we will get, um, we'll get to our guest. You said a man is not a necessity. A man is a luxury, like dessert. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it's absolutely not necessity. Did you mean that to sound mean and bitter? Oh, not at all. I adore dessert. I love men. I think men are the coolest. But you don't really need them to live. So this week, I wanted to tell you guys about the craziest thing that I saw on Twitter today that's happening in um, Argentina. They have these things called consent condoms. It looks like a Lego. And... 
the consent condoms are in this like weird container. It looks like it's individual, but four hands have to be on the container to press these buttons on the side of them um, simultaneously. And they're saying it's about um, consenting and you trying to encourage people to use condoms and how they did a survey out there. And a lot of people were saying that they never use condoms. And then some people were saying that they rarely use them. And it was a small percentage that says that that was something that they regularly do. But I just have to say, it sounds like, I'm going to post it on our Instagram the day that this airs. Um, I'll post a video on the Instagram, but it just seems like it's making it harder mm-hmm. to use condoms. Like all of that work to yeah. put on a condom, that I don't think that that's going to help people. And I also don't think that rapists really care about using condoms. They're going to be like, put your motherfucking hands on this motherfucking condom. Or they're just not going to use one, yeah. which is even worse. So I don't I don't get this. I hope that they have something else. It's like it's almost like they just wanted it to go viral for no good reason. I really don't get it, but it's limited edition. It's and available. And how much do they cost? They got buttons on it? Yeah. Like, um, let me show you what I, it looks like. I feel like there's, those are really expensive. It looks pricey. I don't know, though. And you have to go through, like, health insurance to get it. That's what that looks like. They have like a hashtag and everything. You said you have to go through health insurance to get it. But doesn't it look like a little Lego? Yeah, it does. That's like a lot. So um, I hope you guys just use some condoms and don't try to make people push buttons and all. This. have a conversation. I think that that's taken away the conversation aspect of it to encourage people to be open about whatever it is that they want sexually and to get your verbal stuff. This is just frustrating. And I'm, I just feel like it's going to do more harm than good. But most people probably don't even buy that shit. Oh, well, anyway, that's weird sex. I saw that on Twitter. Okay, so this week our guest is Shalice Nelson. Welcome, Shalice. Hello, thank you for having me. Hey. Shalice has a website. And she reached out to us earlier this year um, because she's listened to the show, which is really cool. And she was talking about possibly doing some things at the live show as far as sponsorship for our gift bags, some positive affirmation things, some buttons. And she said that she had listened to previous episodes Mm -hmm. and she wanted to talk about some of the trauma and how it affects our sex lives. But before we get to that, we're going to play a little game just to loosen up a bit and then we'll get into it. I, the quickest one is either fuck, marry, kill, or I've never. Let's do fuck, marry, kill. Okay. I'm going to go first because it's in my head. David Beckham. Mm-hmm. Blake Lively. Okay. And Tyrese. Mm, that's hard. <laughs> They're all good looking people. They are. I'm sorry to say this. I have to kill Tyrese. Oh, really through, I might do. He went on them little rants. Yeah, yeah. he was actually he was so crazy. Um, you know, I married David Beckham. Mm. You know, Victoria wasn't in the picture. Mm-hmm. That's a nice move. That is a nice move. Um, and it, fuck Blake Lively. She's beautiful. She is. She is. Is she fly? I'll be buying her clothes. She is. And her <laughs> man fine too. Who is her man? Who is her man? Um. It's a Ryan, but don't get me to oh line what his last name is. Okay. He's fine. So, so while Medina looks up who it is, uh, Ruby Cheat, the soccer player, um, Tank, and Idris Elba. I know people are going to kill me for this one, but I'm going to kill Idris Elba. I'm not what? really a fan of I'm him. Okay. Yes. So I would fuck Ruby Loftus Cheek. And I actually mm-hmm. slid in his DMs. He didn't respond. <laughs> Girl, me too. Goat. Send him a picture of a baby goat. A baby goat. Yeah. I'm going to try. Yeah, I gave. I sent him some um, B2K lyrics, but, you know, he's <laughs> only like 23, so he might not even know. I never even who looked B2K up how old he is. Yeah. yeah, he's young. Like, who is that? Um, um, so you're fucking who? him and Marion Tank? I guess. Dang. I mean, he might be a good husband. He's married now. He yeah. seems like he might be all right. Yeah. Tank? Yeah. Yeah. You don't see it for him? <laughs> I mean, it was just like disappointment yeah. on your face. <laughs> He's just I had forgot who I was going to marry, so. Okay. Well, yeah, sorry, guys. We couldn't think oh, of stuff before. <laughs> we're we're kind of drained. We were talking about it before we came, so we were trying to push through. Please Be glad get us some about a fucking episode. Okay, because sometimes it's like, let's just take a week off. Okay, but y'all going to be cussing us out. All right, so anyway. Um, let's see. So what is it that you do exactly? Yes. So I do a plethora of things. Okay. I am a licensed professional counselor mm-hmm. and I am also a certified life coach. 
So during the daytime, I run a mental health agency. I'm the clinical operations director. And then on the weekends and at nights, I see individuals or clients. I have my own business called The Conscious Queen. So Mm -hmm. it's a mental health forum to address the needs of the black and brown community in which I host workshops and a variety of things. So those things keep me busy. I always wonder when people say that they are certified life coaches, what exactly like makes you a certified? Like, do they just put you in a room with people that are just fucked up and you're like, I'm about to coach your life. So I have my own thoughts about life coaching. I just kind of got it because people like certifications. I feel like as a therapist, I can pretty much help you. Um, But no, like there are a variety of ways that you can get it. You could take an online course for a day. And boom, you are a life coach. But to be a certified trainer, I mean, not trainer, sorry, certified counselor, what goes into that? It's like being a doctor. So you have your four years of undergrad, Mm -hmm. two years, two to four years of graduate school, three years of postgraduate supervision, a test. You love school. (laughs) You love school. Like you really wanted to do this. I did. You know, I kind of fell into it. Um, because my mom is in the mental health field and I was always like, I don't want to do what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, but just kind of seeing what was going on in my environment and just kind of led me into that role. So I love it. Mm -hmm. Do you ever watch Iyanla Van Zandt? Yes. And I get pissed (laughs) off. Oh my gosh. What gets you pissed? Because she tells people, you know, I'm a certified life coach and I do these things. She She doesn't ever say that she's a counselor because she's not. She didn't do that, but she's a life coach. She be going off on people. Yeah, she does. I think um, my major challenge with her is when she identifies herself as the healer. And I just strongly believe that people heal themselves. They're engaged in relationships that provide healing powers, but it's up to them to make that decision. And I think, you know, it's a show and it's for ratings, although she tries to say that it isn't. Like she chooses people who have mental health issues versus issues that you deal with in coaching. Like coaching Mm -hmm. is all about holding you accountable and helping you reach a goal versus really, oh, breathe. Come to my bosom. Yes. She always wants somebody in her bosom. Yes. I just will never yes. forget when she had Karuche on there. And I was just like, what is... It was like she was trying to make her cry. Like, I need you to cry, 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 cry. Mm-hmm. It was really... Yes. I was like, what's going on? Yeah. She does do you, a lot. Do you ever think that it's okay to kind of um, talk to your clients kind of rough or like be very stern? Like, how stern would you get with somebody if you feel like they're not holding themselves accountable? It all depends on the relationship you have. I have have worked with individuals where I'll say, you know what, I'm done. I ain't doing this with you. And that's the relationship, and that's how they get it. Mm -hmm. I've had other clients that I've worked with where that approach may not work. So it's really about getting to know the person. I mean, there's been times where I've literally sat down with clients and have them write out their dreams. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, you're not going to do any of this as long as you're behaving the way that you are. So it's going to change. But that may not work for Mm -hmm. another individual. So it's really just dependent upon the relationship that you have. Kind of learning each other. Yes. Okay. And then before we get into the sex trauma stuff, um, I was curious, what made you name yourself the conscious queen? I won't say I named myself that. People people named you? People kind of say that, but I'm like, no, that's just really just the brand. Just okay. really encouraging everyone to recognize that within us, we're all royalty. We're all kings and queens, but it requires us to be conscious, aware, and knowledgeable of that. Okay. I like that. Mm, Me too. You. Okay. So, um, okay, as far as trauma and how it affects our sex lives, but how do people even realize that they've been through some trauma and it is affecting them? Sometimes people have enough insight to recognize it mm-hmm. and sometimes they don't. And I think just within our culture alone, we experience trauma on a day-to-day basis of being black and brown and trying to figure out whether or not certain situations are going to bring distress within our life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really a matter of insight and really wanting to know if there are changes. But trauma is something that's biologically based. 
um, where there are changes within your brain. So if it happens early on in life, you may not even recognize that you've experienced some trauma or you so may normalize it. That? I was just about to ask that. So an example would be, let's see. Growing up and your parents use drugs. Mm. And you've, you've been accustomed to that all your life. That's the trauma that you've experienced. Psychologically, you're still in that mind space of the age you were watching your your parents use drugs. But it was so normal to you that now that you're moving on in life, you're like, oh, yeah, my parents use drugs. There's no big problem. Mm. That's interesting because that just naturally to me sounds traumatic. Like if you mm-hmm. did grow up in a household, even though it might be your norm, it's still like it, it is not normal. Yeah. Like. Growing up, I used to watch ladies walk down the street butt naked. And what? that's normal Why? to me. They were on drugs? Yeah. Where are you from? Rochester, New York. Wow. Yes. That so my mom crazy. was like, we got to change your bus stop. But when it was kind of normal. Mm-hmm. When did you realize it wasn't normal? You know, it wasn't until I got to college where I realized, oh, like, I grew up in the hood. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, I'm not as privileged as I thought I was. Like, I'm privileged enough to go to college, but I grew mm. up in the hood. Yeah. Um. So I knew when I saw that 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 wasn't the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um. But I did. I wouldn't have recognized it as traumatizing because if I went to school and I told my friends that, they would have been like, Oh yeah, that happened the other day when I was going to the bus stop. Because everybody was normal going through the same mm-hmm. thing. So then how do things like that tie into your sex life? So it's a matter of knowing whether or not you're engaging in behaviors for self-sabotage or for self-pleasure. So am I engaging in sex because I want to be pleasured or am I engaging in sex with people who I know don't care about me because I'm used to not being cared for? Does that mean if you have like one night stands, <laughs> you are self No, okay. no, no. It's really dependent upon your experiences. So <clears throat> if you grew up in a household where there may have not been much love and affection shown, naturally, when you get older, that may not be something that you look for mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's something that you're accustomed to. So let's say you met the man of your dreams or the woman of your dreams and they're caring but Mm -hmm. because they give you all of that and you're not accustomed it's like annoying to you yes you're going to go to what's not going to provide you any pleasure what's really going to cause you more stress so it's Mm -hmm. a matter of identifying if it's going to cause you more stress Mm -hmm. if you engage in this behavior that's so interesting because I do have like a lot of friends where like, you know, they're dating and they'll describe some of the things that like men have done for them or want to do with them. Or like he was trying to hold my hand and I was like, and I was like, I'm like, that's not like a a problem. That's a. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. It's like a sign of like he cares about you mm-hmm. or he wanted to lay up under me after we fuck. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's kind of kind. Not yes. on that note, but sometimes I know I'm that way. Mm-hmm. I can be that person. And it's like. Well, one, I really don't like people to touch me too much. And I won't even say that. I'm trying to think, like, what happened Mm -hmm. way back whenever. I don't know. I don't know if it's something that I've blocked out or whatever because a lot of my family is affectionate. Everybody isn't. But some of them are. And I'm the one who's like, please stop. This is making me feel uncomfortable or something. And I don't know what it is. But that could also be just sensory in which your body likes. Mm Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that you experience anything, just your body does not feel comfort with things or people touching That's on That's true, it. yeah. Because sometimes I don't, I don't like that. And it's like I wish that people would show affection and caring in other ways without having to, like, be so physical mm-hmm. sometimes. Especially, like, um, I think it depends on who it is. Like, sometimes people do casual things. Like, at work, for example, somebody might rest their hand on my shoulder. I don't really like that. Like, stop touching me. We're at work. Mm-hmm. This is, I'm not your friend. Um, I really don't know you like that. I kind of feel like you're invading my personal space. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's inappropriate. And so it's annoying. And I'll tell people that at work. And they're looking at me like she's so mean for saying that. But it's like, hey, it's my space. And I feel like you right. should respect my space. And right. I think it's better if I speak up about it. If it's like a work thing, I totally get it because mm-hmm. we are at work. But sometimes when I have been around people that say like they don't like to be touched or, you know, they don't want. it's It's so hard for me to understand it because for me in my mind. I feel like 
touching you, reaching out and touching you or hugging you, if, even if I don't know you that well and I can tell that something's wrong, it's my way of like, we. I really want to connect with you. That's my mm-hmm. big thing in like life. Like I want to connect. If I feel like I can't hug you or I can't touch you, I don't know how we can really connect. Like in my mind, it just mm-hmm. doesn't like, it doesn't make sense. Like I, I need to touch you so you can feel my energy and I care and I want to feel that too. So work is a totally, now yeah, if it's getting inappropriate, that's one thing. But like in life, I have like embraced strangers that I don't know if I feel like something is wrong or, and you don't want to talk about it. But um, I've been around people that feel like you and then people that feel like me. And it's really interesting. But I think if you really sit down and think about like your life and the way that you were raised, you might figure out what it is like that. Maybe that's it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We're just really asking permission, like the people who say, oh, uh, if you go to shake their hand, oh, I'm a hugger. Mm-hmm. Like, is it okay that mm-hmm. you hug this person? Yeah, some that is more comforting yeah. to me because sometimes people just run up and it's like, whoa, whoa, what are you, what are right. you doing? Calm down. Like, ooh. But when they say like, oh, can I hug you? That feels better mm-hmm. to me. If you feel like someone you know is suffering from some past trauma, um, and you think it's affecting their love life, their sex life, what do you think is like a good way to say something? How could you bring that up? Well, the one thing is that trauma presents itself in multiple ways. So a person can experience trauma and only exhibit depressive symptoms. Mm-hmm. They can exhibit manic and depressive symptoms and meet criteria for a bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. Um you can just kind of be living life under the radar and people are just like, something's wrong with you, but you've never been anywhere to get properly treated or mm-hmm. informed about what symptoms you may be experiencing. So sometimes I think it just starts with a conversation as a friend of, are you okay? Is mm-hmm. anything going on? Um, but I honestly just think within our culture, within our days, a lot of people normalize things because we pretend we care. So if I came to you and you were like, oh, how was your day? Mm-hmm. It was bad. Like, people don't really know how to respond yeah, to that. They're like, bitch, I really wasn't asking. I was doing it to <laughs> right, be polite. Right, right, I really don't care. Come on, shit. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. you know. Um, That's horrible. It is. I think it's really sad. Like, it is. I have actually been working on that in my everyday life. If someone asks me how I'm doing, <clears throat> even if I'm at the store, I was at the gas station the other day. Lady was like, how are you doing? I was like, I had a really bad day today. I had just had a really bad day and I didn't mm-hmm. want to lie and be like, oh, I'm doing so good. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I had a very bad day. And she kind of looked at me like. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> she was shocked. She wasn't ready for that it. answer. But <laughs> then we had a conversation. It was mm-hmm. very, it was, it was a relief. Like we're all human walking around here. Like we're good. You're not fucking good. Maybe yeah. you are, but I'm saying like there's shit going on in mostly everybody's life. And it would be a breath of fresh air if people could just be honest. It is. And you know. I have a daughter and one of our rules in my household is you can't say good. So if mm-hmm. I ask how you're feeling, good is not an emotion. I need you to describe what it is that you're feeling mm-hmm. and just kind of not normalize that good thing because mm-hmm. people say it all the time. That's what is so good? good? What is good? It's just like a way to just move past mm-hmm. and just and cut it going. off and yeah. be short. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I don't want to talk. So I'm good. Rather not share. Yes, so I think it's really based upon the relationship you have. And again, it's dependent upon how you interact with that person. I might say to someone, you need a therapist. Or I might say to someone, "Um, what's going on? You ever thought about talking to someone about this? Because I know I'm a therapist, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. So you, you, that's a, okay, let me just ask you this. Because I have a therapist and, um, in our last session I told her I was like I just feel like I wish I could be like a therapist I wish I could maneuver in my life like a therapist she's like what do you mean by that I was like just like how you are like it's I bet in your life everything is just so together she was like I'm a human right (laughs) she was like if you think that I walk around in my real life with my therapist hat on first of all I would be fucking crazy I told her I need her to start cussing with me because I cuss (laughs) and I need to be connected to you bitch so she was like I would be fucking crazy if I treated like my the person in my life who is my lover or my kids or Mm -hmm. my family members like a like I 
and their therapist, that would be annoying. And yeah. I would be, that would be crazy because right. I'm not just being a normal right. human. But mm-hmm. how do you separate the two? Because you do work with like trying to help people, mm-hmm. you know, ignite whatever they're trying to ignite inside them. I'm tell you, it's one of the hardest struggles because when you're being your genuine self, People swear you're trying to be their therapist. Like, I'll never forget. <laughs> one time I got in, a com- in an argument with my mom. She was like, did you learn that in therapy school? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, just speak it up for myself. Uh-huh. Like, this has nothing to do with me being a therapist. Um, I think one of the great things I have is I have friends who are therapists. So they get it. Mm-hmm. Because we do, in a sense, um, we're allowed to be authentic, but we still have to kind of keep this barrier up of ensuring that the people we work with know that we're their therapist, not their friend, not their pastor, not their family member. And with that, we have to set certain boundaries. So while I would say I'm relatively an open book with my individuals, there's just certain things that I can't divulge to them and when I deal with people trying to say like oh well you're a therapist your life is perfect or I get into an argument with a family friend Mm -hmm. they're just kind of like I have to tell them like I'm still human like are you dating are you married no I'm kind of celibate on accident on accident yeah how does that happen oh you just it's been a drought (laughs) It's been a drought, but, you know, I recognize that there was purpose in it, so I haven't done anything. It's been um, <laughs> it's strong, been girl, very right. eye-opening. It's been a learning experience for myself just getting to know who I am a little bit better. But that doesn't mean when the summertime comes. Yeah, because that's right around the corner, girl. Yeah. I also wanted to know like how um, some of these traumas and mental health issues can tie into your self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Because I found, I know a lot of people who I think should be, they, sometimes it comes off like they have low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And I, it's interesting because I don't know their whole life. I don't know all of their business, you know. But it's like from the outside looking in, it seems like you have great things going on. You're a beautiful person. Things are good. What's going on? Do you think that sometimes the trauma affects, some sort of trauma affects that? I think some trauma that we don't look at is just how are we raised to acknowledge our worth. Like mm-hmm. in society, there's a we've been looked down upon for acknowledging who we are. So sometimes that can be utilized as a way to kind of shift people away. Like I'm this, this and that where it comes off as narcissistic or Mm -hmm. full of themselves when it's really just like, I'm really not all of this. I just need somebody to help me recognize what my worth is. And I think too, just within the historical context, how knowledgeable are we of our true history? Like, we know all the negative stuff. We know about slavery. We know about Jim Crow. But, like, do we really know, like, what makes us beautiful to be black people? And if we know that, then I think self-esteem will improve. So you think think it's like a multi-generational thing? Yes. And it has been scientifically proven that trauma is passed down generations. So if it's not healed, then the next generation may experience it. Is that, um, I'm trying to think of the term. I heard it on another podcast, epigenetics, I think it is. And where it's like some of those things that our grandparents, parents, whoever, that they dealt with, it gets passed down kind of like, you know, regular genetics. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Yes, but I think, too, we have to, and that's really what the Conscious Queen is about, is really how do we take care of ourselves mm-hmm. and really paying attention to that. Because if you don't take good care of yourself, how can you expect anyone else to take good care of you? That's true. That is very true. I also think it has to do with, like, your family foundation sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I have so many friends and people that I know that just – they don't say I love you in their household. Mm-hmm. And that's always so interesting to me. They're like, you don't, you live, this is your family. Those are the people that mm-hmm. know you more than anyone. My siblings know me no matter where I go in life, how high or how low, they know like my core. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my mom and my dad. So to grow up in a household and no one is like constantly saying that we love each other. I think that that when you become, when you get out into the real world and you are on your own, 
you can feel lost or you can f- you might have some self-esteem issues because I mean, that foundation is just so important to me. I don't I've been in some really low places in life, but I always have that to remember that mm-hmm. my family does have my back and I know where I come from. And mm-hmm. it's just really interesting to me how pe- I know so many people that grow up in households where love is just not like we're not we're not saying that to each other. Why? I think that again can be individualized because if you grow up in a household where maybe they don't say I love you all the time, but you feel the love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then you'll still have that sense of like I'm loved. So you like, don't feel like expressing it naturally. Like it depends on the family. Like mm-hmm. I know in my family, I didn't grow up hearing "I love you" all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's not that I don't think that my family loves me. They show me that they love me in different ways. Mm-hmm. They show me in their support of mm-hmm. whatever it is that I'm doing, even if they think it's not going to succeed. Like mm-hmm. they're right there rooting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't. I don't take it as. I don't know what the love is, but if the love is not present, like no one's telling you they love you and they're not showing it, Mm -hmm. then that can definitely play a role. I think it's kind of like the five love languages, how different Mm -hmm. people. I'm reading that book now. Is this your first time reading it? This is my first time reading it. Yeah, I like it. And I think it shows how different people can show love. So like maybe for you and your family, it was very important to be verbal and y'all like to use your words Mm -hmm. and you like to say it and that's important and that's great. And then there's other people where maybe they prefer to show it Mm -hmm. or maybe they do things, they try to do things for each other to show each other that they love each other as opposed to just saying it. Right. And then you think about families where someone's telling you they love you, but their behaviors don't demonstrate that. Like you still may have that sense of who am I? Yeah. You say you love me, but why do you love me? Like you're not treating me me. like this. Uh huh. And I think about like people who end up um, like getting molested by family members and then the family is protecting this person. But then they're still telling you that they love you and you have to love this person because Mm -hmm. this is your family. But it's like, wait a minute, this person did something wrong to me. This isn't love. So them telling me that they love me, you telling me that you love me, none of that really holds any weight because that's not love, you know. And I hear about a lot of stories and um, I think about people who say that they've suffered from stuff like that. And then they talk about whatever it was that their families did or didn't do. And it's like, I can see why Mm -hmm. you kind of handle things a little different or maybe move the way that you do in life. Mm -hmm. You have to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. You're always in that fight or fight mode after something like that happens. If no one shows you that you can be safe. Hmm. you're always around the person who inflicted harm on you mm-hmm. how can you come to a positive sense of self or how can you feel safe to engage in positive interactions with others yeah that is so true that goes for just who you hang around in mm-hmm. general also outside of family um yeah i wanted to know do you deal with like couples or you just do like one-on-one I prefer sessions. one-on-one mm-hmm. sessions. Um, I leave the couples to the marriage and family therapist. That's, mm-hmm. that's not my thing. I work with both of you individually. And I might be able to pull something to help you guys work together. Um, but couples aren't my thing. So do you ever deal with people who are having like, I don't even know how to word it, like sexual mental issues i don't know if that's like a thing you know that happens a lot more often than you would think Mm -hmm. um that comes up in a lot of sessions where women in particular don't know what consent is Mm. um what do you mean they don't know what consent is they've never been taught that you can turn down your man to say Mm -hmm. i don't want to have sex Mm -hmm. right now and that is saddening to me yeah, you're married and you don't want to have sex, but you've never been taught that you could say no. Mm-hmm. Um, that issue comes up a lot. You have issues where people are recognizing I'm having sex with this person I really don't like. But are you able to share with us how do you deal with that? Because some of our listeners might have that same issue. I've never even thought that because I, I mean, obviously, I know I can say no, but mm-hmm. How does someone deal with that? 
first is learning that you can say no. Mm-hmm. So someone telling you that it is okay for you to say no and pay attention to your body. Your body is going is amazing. Your body is going to tell you when you're feeling stressed and this is not okay. So pay attention to those things and how you how you get when you're around certain people. This is someone you have sex with and you find that every time you get around them, you're tensed and scared. Is this a positive interaction? Is the sex beneficial? Is it pleasing you? Mm-hmm. So it's really like paying attention to your body, learning who you are, because if I'm not comfortable around someone, it's not going to be an enjoyable sex capade. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people will say that um, women who are promiscuous have daddy issues. And we hear that a lot. But some people just like having sex. What are your thoughts on on all of that? Thinking about the population I have worked with, mm-hmm. I would say sometimes the sexual behaviors are not aligned with whatever they're family history is and Mm -hmm. not necessarily that there are daddy issues Mm -hmm. sometimes when you're working with people who experience mania for example where you're um, talking all the time you're a goal getter these might be people that you see every day that you would never think of it as like a mental health concern Mm -hmm. but one of the symptoms of mania is risky sexual behavior so we have to assess is it a mental health issue I honestly believe that all mental health issues are rooted in trauma, but um, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's because of a father's presence or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. It's just some sort of trauma. That it it may just life. be some sort of trauma. It's a part of trauma is self-sabotaging behaviors for PTSD. So really assessing what's your reason behind it. Like, are you being promiscuous with reason? Because you want your needs met. At at the end of the day, I always tell people, like, from a psychological standpoint, Mm -hmm. sex is on the first tier. It is one of your basic needs. If it's not met, you cannot address any of the other needs in your life. Yeah, I get really grouchy and really mean. My face breaks out. Mm -hmm. Right. So, (laughs) I mean, it's a need. So, it's it's a matter of... Are you fulfilling a need or are you just doing this for some type of euphoria? Are you doing this for joy or like are you doing this because like I need some dick? Well, I mean, what's the difference? I was just about to say, I don't see anything <laughs> wrong with I it. Hate like, sounds, I, I hate to sound one, dumb, but. I don't like, see like the problem. If you are just like having sex for joy. If you're being responsible. And you're ha- yes. I mean, as responsible as you can be when you're sleeping with multiple people mm-hmm. and you enjoy sex and you want that physical pleasure. What what's wrong with that? I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with wanting sexual pleasure. It's uh-huh. just a matter of are we being knowledgeable about who we're engaging in sexual activities with? Okay. But I think okay. So one of my rules for myself is I don't have sex with anyone that I'm not willing to have a child with. Ooh. Did you learn? Well, did you have to learn that? Or? Yeah. Okay. I had to learn that. I had to go through a learning experience like, oh, would I ever want to have a child with this person? Y'all, I love Brewmate. I'm literally addicted. Ever since I ordered all of my products off of there, the stainless steel reusable straw, my wine cups, my wine salator. Do y'all know what a wine salator is? It's the most amazing thing. You guys, I ordered some of their um, whiskey ice cubes. You guys, I love this place. Like, it's literally a stylish, correction, the most stylish way to drink your alcoholic beverage. You get all of your alcohol. What more could you ask for? No more diluted cocktails or wasted bottles of wine. Who would want to waste your wine? But sometimes you have to, but not with Brewmate. Not when you have Brewmate in your life. And listen, y'all, it's not just with cold beverages it's with the hot things too what's up they have products for everyone there's over 30 color options which is amazing you can choose from matte glossy you guys 
The BevGuard technology that they have on their products ensures there is never a metallic aftertaste. You know what also is ensured? Your beverages ain't gonna spill because them lids be tight. Also, summer's coming up. So what's up? You know you can't bring glass to your pool. You know you can't. So... Brewmate products are all glass-free zone friendly. Right now, Brewmate is giving our listeners a special discount off. 15% off your first order when you go to www.brewmate.com and use our code COCKTAILS. That's 15% off when you use our code C-O-C-K-T-A-L-E-S at brewmate.com. Y'all, don't let summer heat ruin your drink. Go to brewmate.com and beat the heat this summer. Get 15% off your first order by using code COCKTAILS at brewmate.com. That's brewmate.com. B-R-U-M-A-T-E.com. Code COCKTAILS. Cheers. All right, y'all. So let's talk about sex, baby. No, I'm playing. Let's talk about birth control. You guys, or shall I say ladies, getting birth control is a hassle. I think we all know that. Whether you have insurance, if you don't have insurance, it's just a lot. Trying to figure out what works for you, what doesn't work for you. You know, a lot of us take birth control. More than 10 million women in the U.S. take the pill. And the struggle to get it, is real (laughs) y'all that rhymed but listen we have a secret for you have you heard of forhers.com it's a new women's wellness brand putting your body back in control like it should be and you guys listen you can get birth control from forhers.com for 30 bucks no need for insurance is only $30. You don't need insurance. They've bundled up a whole little deal for you. It can be delivered to you. You don't have to deal with driving to the pharmacy. Or if you're like me and you forget that you have to go pick up something from the pharmacy and then days go by or weeks go by or hell, months go by and they done threw your prescription away. For hers is delivered to you. And if you aren't sure what type of birth control you need, like which brand, you have access to an independent physician and they can recommend what you might need. I think that's really dope, you guys. Their physicians are available to answer questions that you might have, literally any type of question without any judgment. That's important. For Hers is helping women across the country get convenient and affordable access to birth control. Ain't nobody trying to get pregnant. And if you are, well, look, cheers to you. But I ain't, not yet, y'all. Our listeners, aka our besties, can get their first month of birth control from forhers.com for just five bucks right now while supplies last. Did y'all hear that? Five bucks. See their website for full details. Go to forhers.com slash cocktails. That's F-O-R-H-E-R-S dot com slash cocktails. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and safety information. You don't necessarily want to be with everyone that you Mm -hmm. sleep with. And sometimes it is kind of fun. Like we've shared our stories about Mm -hmm. meeting someone and you have this connection. It may not be that deep, but you have a connection. You're having sex. So what is it that it does mentally when you do that? When you engage in sex like without really thinking about who. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, with a a purpose. purpose. (laughs) Again, I think it's just really a matter of knowing how it's going to impact you. So if you know that you can have sex with someone in the next day, you know what? I'm good. Mm-hmm. It's not going to impact me. I'm not going to be bothered if he does not text me back or she mm. does not text me back. It's the after effects that you're talking about. Yes. Okay. And, that, and, and for myself, that doesn't mean that if I, if I find someone that I'm interested in that I'm like, oh, I can't have sex with you because. I want us to have kids. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of if the event happens, when you have sex, anything is possible. That is true. Like, am I going to be okay with co-parenting with you? Mm-hmm. That so. is very responsible. You guys be responsible. <laughs> Stop <laughs> doing the shit that we've done. Yeah, but I think it's um just really knowing and understanding your purpose behind engaging in sex. Yes, it's a need, but is it a need that you have to fulfill with everyone that gets you excited y'all hear that (laughs) without without thinking it through like is it impulsive Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. are you 
acknowledging the fact that okay if i engage in sex with this person that they may not text me back they may have an std they may Mm -hmm. have um a wife that's coming for you right right (laughs) so taking all those things into consideration and they also say that when you have sex you you lose brain cells wait what yeah i've heard everybody the man does too Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm Wait, just... why are we losing brain cells? I we should have started off with this because, it's like, um, I have to find it again. I know Dr. Jackie from Married to Medicine. Uh-huh. She was speaking about it. Like, you lose brain cells, or like, there's a transfer of brain cells, something like that. So, like, do I want to lose my brain cells for you? The closest do I want to transfer brain cells with you. This closest thing I've heard to that is like soul ties, but that's a whole nother thing. I'm going to have to look this up. I opened up a new tab. Yes. Okay. Medina, did you have any other questions? I did. And this doesn't okay. have to do with sex or anything. This just has to do with... I want to make sure I'm titling you right. You're a therapist. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you mind telling us how old you are? I'm 30. So that brings me to my question. I wanted to know, do you ever feel like you haven't lived enough life to be some like a certain age group's therapist. Like, have you ever had like a situation where you're like, dang, like, oh. no, but I always have clients say that to me. Like <laughs> you old enough to be my child. How are you going <laughs> to help me? And I'm like, okay, so does support have an age range? Like, is there a certain age in which someone has to be, to be able to support you, uplift you? Mm-hmm. and help you reach the goals that you've set for yourself or help you come to learn about who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't really have those issues per se. It's the clients that I work with that do, especially because I look younger than 30. Mm-hmm. So they're like, how old are you? So that used to be like a taboo question to answer in therapy. Oh. like. I did that to my therapist. And then I wanted to know if she was married and did she have kids? And like, you know, (laughs) and she was like, we're not going there. So I actually still don't know. But now that we I've had sessions with her, like I get it. Like, cause Mm -hmm. I was, if she would have been like, well, no, I've never, I probably wouldn't have started Mm -hmm. going to her, but like she sent us that email and was like, you know, there's certain things because of ethics that I can't discuss. And it's like, okay, well, we do want you to have your job. Yeah, I wanted to. <laughs> I worked real hard for this license. Okay, well, um, on that note, I think it's time for us to move on to the other parts of the show. We have Indecisive Diane up next. And then if you could help us, you'll probably give great advice. Um, help us with our advice letters. All right. Would you stop thinking about what everyone wants? Stop thinking about what I want, what he wants, what your parents want. What do you want? What do you want? It's not that simple. What do you want? What do you want? All right, Diane, so what little cute date idea do you have for us this week? Hey, ladies. Okay, so this week I'm feeling real spicy. Here's your date idea. So listen. Every Wednesday night at Tongue and Groove, the nightclub. Okay, yeah, I've been there, girl. They got, what, we gonna go to the club with our boot? No. So you're gonna go to the club with your boot, but every Wednesday night, they have salsa dances. Like, you can go there and do, like, a little salsa class and, like, salsa around with the salsa people, and it's really fun. You're gonna love it. Have a couple drinks, turn up a little bit, and if you're not really feeling the salsa, you can go to the other room and turn up to a little bit of, like, trappy music, whatever you want, but it's still, like, salsa trap. Okay, salsa trap. That's new. So here's the address. 565 Main Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30324. Go there, salsa your little ass off and have some fun thanks diane no problem ladies okay and we are back and now it's time for the advice so this week you'll get advice from us plus somebody who's actually been to school to help people out so you guys are lucky all right this is from a young man i love when men send in stuff okay so he says, hello, ladies. Love the podcast. You guys are essential to getting through the week. I love y'all for real, bitch. Oh, I think this is a man. Bitch, I need y'all to do a daily talk show, please. But let me get to it. 
I have been having conversations with my friends and my brothers about sex and satisfaction. According to my homegirls, they lost their virginity around 17, but didn't begin to enjoy sex until about 25. And of those women who say they enjoy it, they still have never had an orgasm from a man. Some of my homegirls play both fields. I don't judge. Love is love. Fuck is fuck. (laughs) However, speaking to my niggas, exclusively heterosexual, no shade, love is love. They say they know they satisfy 85, 80% of the women they have intercourse with. So I'm newly single from a 10 year marriage, nervous about getting out there and seeing how good I am with a, with a different person. If you had to give a percentage ratio or grade, how many men have known what they are doing when it comes to pleasing you? And what has the average man experience, man's experience level been? Are niggas taking directions if needed? Are they even thinking about pleasing women? And last but not least, does size really matter? I know that's a lot of questions. I apologize. Newly single, thirty, self-conscious black man. Okay, you really wait. just called us a bitch, nigga. Uh, no, I'm playing. Okay, okay. so what were the questions? He wanted. To okay, know. so what's the grade? Right. Yeah, if you have to give a percentage ratio or grade, how many men have known what they are really doing when it comes to pleasing you? Everybody, think of your answer. What has the average man's experience level been? And are niggas taking directions if needed? Are they even thinking about pleasing women? And does size really matter? So I'll start backwards. Does size really matter? I, for me personally, no. As long as you know what you're doing, I feel like you can still please me. I don't need like a big old horse stick. I currently have one. But before that, I didn't. And it was still, you know what you're doing. I'm good. Uh, I'm good with that. And are, are men thinking about pleasing women? I think majority of niggas know. Mm-hmm. They think that they're thinking about it, but you're not really thinking about it. For me, are you taking directions? I typically don't give directions. Um, I get a little bit nervous, but the directions that I have given, I feel like for me, they have been taking them. But the average man, like you said, no, I don't think that the average man is taking directions, nor does he even want to listen, honestly. <laughs> he just wants to nut. <laughs> um, experience level? Expe- what is the average man's experience level? I don't have an answer for that. I'll let y'all take that. Uh, but the grade that I would give for like average on my scale would be like, it's between like five and seven on a scale from one to 10. Okay. I'll say, um, for size, it doesn't really matter. I prefer that it's not too big. I don't, and I just like you, I want them to know what they're doing. That's way more important. Um, pleasing. I would say the majority of the men that I've slept with do care about pleasing me, but not all of them. And the ones that don't, they really fuck it up for the rest of y'all. Cause it's like a scar in your brain of like, we're having sex, but I thought we were having sex cause we both wanted to have sex. And it seems like this is more for you than it is for me. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, okay. Are they taking directions? Um, I'll, I'll say it's only been a handful of them that wouldn't take directions from me. Um, and again, it's the same thing, like the pleasing, like if it's just stuck in my brain about these few guys who just didn't listen. Um, experience level. Um, how would I give the experience level? It's so Did- hard because like sometimes the, the bad ones stick out, but then I've had some outstanding sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. I'd say the average guy is just average. It's not that I don't think most guys are pulling out a bunch of different positions, nothing crazy. A lot of them don't have really a ton of tricks they're not pulling out toys they're not getting super kinky so the average guy is not doing that and i really haven't had sex with many guys who are the ones who are pulling out toys if toys and things like that get involved Mm -hmm. it's me that's bringing them and then i have to kind of feel out who might be comfortable with me bringing because everybody's not cool with that right so i think most people are having regular sex Mm -hmm. you know and then the grade yeah, BC range. Yeah. For the average guy. I feel like you need to be a little bit like men need to be a little bit more nastier. And I'm not even saying like be out here pissing and stuff and trying to shit on people. But like just step outside of the box a little bit. Yeah, like be open minded about things. Try something new. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Or if whoever you're sleeping with wants to try something new, allow that person to do it and just try it out. Like stop with the barriers. Cause I think when you have too many barriers up during sex, it can take away the pleasure. In all of it. Yeah. Okay. What would you say? Um, oh, you didn't write oh, them down. Let so, me see. Does size really matter? Um, no. 
do you think that men are thinking about pleasing women in the active? No. Well, I think it's <laughs> dependent upon the connection. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if I'm really into you, then he might. But oh, if he's just worried about taking care of his needs, no. There ain't nothing like some passionate sex. Um, what's the average man's experience level been for you? I think it's um, it's hard to tell mm-hmm. because I think a lot of the male's ego and self-esteem is built upon sex and how well he's able to get engaged in encounters with women and how many. So I don't know. I think a lot of men lie about that. I don't know. Do you think men know what they're doing? Some. Okay. 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 Hey, ladies. I absolutely love the podcast. Huge fan, but I'll get to the point. Here's my dilemma. I turned 23 last month and I'm a virgin. I love kissing and have gotten head a couple of times, but I've never actually had anyone do the deed. Hell, I've never given head myself. I'm honestly so sexually frustrated and just ready to get some damn dick. At this point, I don't know what to do. My friends always say, well, you waited this long. You waited this long, you might as well wait until marriage. Well, I'm not trying to do that. And then people ask why I'm a virgin. Bitch, I don't know. I'm not (laughs) ugly. I think I have a great personality. I live in Florida, which has a lot of stuff to do and many places to meet people. I'm pretty well known around my city. So it's not that I don't go out and put myself out there. I don't want to wait too late and never have my whole phase. I feel like that's very important in learning yourself and exploring your sexuality. I guess I'm just trying to decide if I should just find someone low-key to fuck and teach me the ropes or wait until i find a man i actually like help fiending for the peen you got a whole therapist here that's about to answer this question so i'm really going to encourage this young lady to identify what it is that she wants she wants to get an itch scratched Mm -hmm. or does she want to thoroughly enjoy it because if it's just an itch getting scratched then Go ahead and find somebody to show you the ropes. But um, she's never done it before. So I think it's important to think about how am I going to respond now that I've let someone into me? Mm. Am I going to be all right with it just being someone showing me the ropes and there's limited affection attached with it? Or do I want some attachment, some affection, and possibly the ability to go back? some real solid great advice mm-hmm. or if you don't want to do that just go get a vibrator if you're just trying to get that itch to stretch you know, so, and you can get a vibrator play with yourself teach yourself you don't might not want to get embarrassed they have sex trainers but out you there know, i think <laughs> it's really important um for women to really explore what makes them feel pleased sexually because mm-hmm. there's so much pressure put on women to please a man yeah I think you should do some stuff yourself, like focus on masturbation. Mm-hmm. I think that um, your first time, I don't want to be negative, but a lot of times it's not that pleasurable. It's, and I can only like physically, because if you're a virgin, it might hurt, you know, mm-hmm. and it might be uncomfortable. This is a new feeling. I don't know how you're going to feel. Some people like it. Some people find it very painful and other people don't. And then if this isn't somebody that you care about, they might not take their time as much, mm-hmm. you know. So think about all of that. I also play with yourself. Play with yourself, and also think about how I know we talk about hoe phases a lot, and I've had a couple, and I did enjoy them, <laughs> and they are enjoyable. But I, I honestly don't think that the hoe phase is in the books for everybody. If you have that's to true. force yes. your hoe phase, I just don't think you are mm-hmm. just gonna have one. Like, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Everybody mm-hmm. doesn't need to have a hoe phase. You might just be the girl where you either fall in love or you just don't have a hoe phase, and and. So don't stress that on. part. Yeah, you don't have to have a hoe phase. It's safer to probably not. Yeah, it is. Because you don't want to end up writing another kind of advice letter, girl. Because <laughs> it's been some things in there. So just live vicariously through us in the meantime. And purchase a toy from Peep Show Toys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, um, do you have another one that no. you want to read? Okay. So now it's time for us to move on to our cocktails. Remember, if you would like to share one, you can email it to us at cocktails.atl at gmail.com. Send, only send the advice to that other email. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. 
long ago I was a ho, ho. Okay, hey ladies, you can call me BJ. Found your podcast after listening to another and I fell in love. I am just going to give a brief background. I have recently been on a little coochie break after my ex made me want to end us both. Damn. Fast forward to this past weekend, I was on a girl's trip and I told myself, um, if I see some dick, I'm gonna ho get it. It was the very last night of our three-day trip and I was already five tequilas and two champagnes in and we were walking the strip and saw a little club and decided to go in. We were about to leave when I brushed past the beautiful tall chocolate man. He grabbed my arm and told me to come here. That would never work if he wasn't fine and my kitty girl was instantly jumped. Um... I didn't even look at my friends. We both left our groups and went upstairs to the balcony where we chatted for about 20 to 30 minutes before our friends told us it was time to go. He hugged me so deep and squeezed my waist. He's 6'3 and I'm 5'3 and asked to exchange numbers. And when I see him again, I told him in five minutes. Moved to 15 minutes later, I'm at my Airbnb. He calls and says he's outside. I walk into the room, let my girls know, and I walk back in. He says, give me a kiss, all sexy. All sexy-like, and we kiss. And then I tell him to take his clothes off and ask him if he has a condom. He does. We start by just rubbing and kissing, and I tell him I need a little foreplay. He looks me deep in my eyes and says, whatever you say. He lays me down on my back, and I take his big chocolate mushroom-like dick and rub it across my clit. I tell him to take his free hand and touch my pussy. Is this a cocktail or advice? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, he tells me how wet I am, and I tell him how he can put it in a little bit. He does. Then he takes control and just pushes himself deeper in. He's rubbing my titties and sucking on them while stroking me. I tell him I don't want him to come. We switch positions from the back to the side, then I ride bars. And reverse cowgirl, and my pussy is just sticky and dripping. With every stroke, we took short pauses in between so he didn't come. He's rubbing the tip of his dick on my clit and then he eats me out. We're talking. I'm asking him, does he like my wet pussy? He's asking me, whose is it? And I almost said it was his bitch and it was that good. I had him choking me and pulling my hair. And at this point, I've come so many times I lost count. I even had him stopping to feel my walls pulsating. He says he's about to come and can't take it no more. I can't. I tell him to take the condom off so I can swallow, which I thought today probably was a terrible idea in terms of sexual safety, but I have great health insurance. Oh, my God. Okay, after he comes in my mouth, I lay there, and he pulls me to his chest and starts stroking my curls and asking me about myself. I'm all in my head like, what? We sleep for a minute, and I wake up and tell him we got to fuck again, and he instantly goes back to eating my pussy. Long fucking story short, that was some of the best dick I've ever gotten, and it came from a complete stranger. So much happened in a short time. When he kissed me all deep before he left, I sat at the end of the bed. Um, like that Fox meme in disbelief. If he offers to fly me out, I'm going. I'll never go on a pussy hiatus again. Okay. You want me to share mine? Go ahead. Yeah, you better be ready. Oh, I didn't think you were going to tell one. I have one. Okay, good. It's embarrassing. Oh, good. So when I first moved to Atlanta about three years ago, I met this nice young man. And he was like, I want to take you out on a date. And I'm like, sure. First date in Atlanta. Let's give it a try. So I've been running ragged all day. Didn't even pop into my mind that I didn't eat. So, you know, that's just proof of me not engaging in proper self-care. Mm-hmm. So we go out and we're at dinner and he's like, all right, I'm going to get a drink. I'm like, okay. It's like, so what are you going to get? And I'm like, no, I'm good. You know, I'm a lightweight, really can't drink that much. Yeah. So he's like, well, I can't drink by myself. So he orders me a martini. Now I'm a little girl. I know I can't handle all that alcohol. Mm -hmm. So I tried to be cute and take like one or two sips. And he was like, so you going to waste my money? Oh, God. I'm like, okay. You know, wow. I fell into, yeah, <laughs> I fell into a little pressure. So I drank a few more sips and I'm like, okay, I feel drunk. Uh -huh. But the date is over, right? Mm -hmm. We're leaving the restaurant. I'm thinking I'm about to head back to, um, my house and he's like i don't want the date to be over and mm -hmm. i'm like oh you don't he's like let's go dancing so we go to 255 mm -hmm. he orders another drink and he's like you're gonna drink with me and i'm like no i'm Some good water. and he's like your mom ain't raised no punk and i'm like yes she did yes she she raised the punk but i was like you know what i made it this far I'm right around the corner from the house 
I can make it. So I got a little light drink. I think I got an amaretto sour. I drank a little bit of it. And I'm like, all right, I've made it. So I'm walking back to the house. And he's like, I don't want the date to end. And I'm like, bro, this date has got to end. It's over. It's over. So we're in the car. We're talking. We're having a great conversation. And then he starts kissing me. And all of a sudden, I was like, um, can you hold on a second? I need to take a nap. What? So I fell asleep in the car. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I just started throwing up everywhere. In the car. In the car. So I tend to be a little secretive and I didn't tell anybody that I was going on a date. Mm-hmm. So my sister was watching my daughter and he's like, I can't take you home like this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we have to call somebody. And I'm like, oh. I don't know my password to my phone. Like, I'm, I'm drunk. So somehow, some way, he got into my phone. He calls my sister. My sister thinks it's a Uber driver. <gasps> and she's like, what is wrong with her? And I'm just throwing up everywhere. And my daughter's right there. Aww. Yeah. And then when she got me in the car and was taking me home, I was saying, he tried to kill me. He tried to kill me. So you ha- kept the so, lie that that was an Uber driver? N- no, I mean, at the, she didn't ask me if he oh. was an Uber driver. She just assumed that. And then when we spoke the next day, she was like, oh, I thought that was an Uber driver. And I was like, oh, no, I was on a date. And she was like, you were on a date and you threw up in his car. I'm like, I did what? That is so embarrassing. Um, yeah. Well, so. I'm so sorry that happened to you. You know what? It was a it was a beautiful <laughs> it was a beautiful run. We actually dated for quite some time. I was just about to say, did he call so, you? So yeah. Oh yeah. And I tried to clean his car, and he would not let me pay for it. So he was a gentleman in the long run. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that is a funny one. Embarrassing. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I hope I don't do that soon. Okay. Well, guys, um, that's it for today. Remember to get your live show tickets for the Sunday show, and um. I guess that's it. Follow us on Instagram. Oh, tell everybody what your website is and where they can follow you. So you can find me at The Conscious Queen. That's theconsciousqueen.com. The Conscious Queen on Instagram and Facebook and Conscious underscore Crown on Twitter. And just because sometimes we get a little stuck on spelling, Conscious is C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And make sure you follow us at Cocktails Podcast. I am at Kiki Said So. I'm at Coffee Bean Dean. And until next week, you guys, goodbye. I'm sorry, but the person you called has a voice mailbox that has not been set up yet. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Wait on the track.